You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. Okay, so today's topic, um, wow, California. What is going on in California? Um, Over the past couple years, California has been riddled with a bunch of issues. And it appears that uh, now... It is ramping up. And uh, what prompted me to do this, it is a YouTube channel uh, from a gentleman named John Williams that discuss real estate. And um, in this particular, his latest update, he talked about an ordinance that is being passed in a Beverly Hills neighborhood that is going to drastically change the uh, home values of multi-million dollar properties. And not only that, it appears that they are totally trying to clear up land space. Now, that's just my take on it. So uh, just real quick, that ordinance, and this is uh, for you all that live in Cali and you're familiar with these neighborhoods, the specific neighborhood that it is targeting, it's called, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if that's the name of the neighborhood. Um, but this particular ordinance is called Ridgeline Protection Ordinance. And so they're claiming, this is from Los Angeles City Planning. This is the fact sheet. And so it's saying Los Angeles City Planning is proposing the Ridgeline Protection Ordinance, which aims to better preserve and protect the city's, the city's ridgelines or the natural crest of the mountains that surround and bisect Los Angeles. So now, for those of you that live in Cali, um, or know people that live in Cali or are familiar with Cali because you visited Cali, uh, you know that they are allowed to build homes on top of the quote, quote, mountains. And I say quote, quote, because I won't even go there in this one. All right. So, and you also know that they have what they call mudslides. And some of those houses in the past have been known to be damaged or destroyed by sliding. Okay, so I found that interesting that now they're talking about the natural crest of the mountains that surround Los Angeles. Um, So it's saying a little bit of the background due to the ecological and aesthetic significance Ridge lines are an important and unique resource within the city of Los Angeles. Recognizing the value of these resources, the city council issued a motion, council file number 11-1441-S1. So that's those. If you are in Cali, y'all can do a little bit more research on that. Again, that's uh, council file number 11-1441-S1, instructing city planning to identify ways to better protect and preserve the city's ridgelines, which have become increasingly threatened by development activities. Hmm. Now, I don't know about y'all, but hasn't California like been overdeveloped for an extremely long time? I mean, come on now, but I'll continue. In response, Los Angeles City Planning has prepared the proposed Ridgeline Protection Ordinance. 
Um, so it's saying the initial concept for this proposed ordinance were shared at a community webinar on November 20th, 2020. You can find the presentation from this webinar here. All right. Uh, key provisions. The proposed ordinance creates a ridgeline protection supplemental use district, which, which contains two levels of protection that may be applied to properties in ridgeline areas referred to as ridgeline protection one and ridgeline protection two the ridgeline protection sud provides enhanced regulations on grading permitted in ridgeline areas structural locations height of structures relative to ridgeline elevation this proposed ordinance does not propose the application of the ridgeline protection sud to any properties but rather contains the regulation that may be applied to ridgeline areas, either through community planning updates or targeted uh, changes. Um, so it's saying the primary goal of the ridgeline protection level one is to preserve the ridgelines and is intended to re retain the natural profile appearance and ecological benefits of the city's ridgelines. To achieve this, RP1 contains strict setbacks, height, and grading restrictions in a buffer around the ridgeline. The primary goal of ridgeline protection, too, is to limit further degradation of ridgeline and is intended to ensure that new development is appropriately scaled and designed with a sensitivity to surrounding ridgeline environments to achieve this RP2 contains limitation on building heights and gradings, blah, 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 blah. All right, so I'm not going to read through the rest of this. Um, now, according to a resident um, that is impacted by this uh, ridgeline protection area, number one, it's a huge area, and the area is, um, again, where multi-million dollar homes exist. And so they pulled, they sent a letter, and I'm getting this again off of uh, the YouTube channel. This is John Williams, uh, the real estate guy. Um, so a resident was sent a letter, and someone else got the full city council report. And basically what they're saying in that report is that if uh, a home is damaged or destroyed, that they will not be able to rebuild that home, okay? Which, based on all of the fires that's been happening in California, based on them uh, sitting on hillside land, and if their property gets flooded or washed out, they're not going to get the permits in order to rebuild that house, okay? And um, in this particular letter, they were talking about how uh, this ordinance would cause property values to plummet, okay? And it talked about how it would be uh, hard to insure or get insurance on these houses or... Uh, the price of insurance or the cost of insurance would go up. So it just kind of made me think how California in general, I have said for a couple of years now, ever since all of those fires were breaking out, that it appears to me, now this is just my humble opinion, <clears throat> it appears to me that California, uh, some someone or s some group of folks high up, it's probably hidden behind the scenes, has a different plan for California. I think that Cali, they are trying to depopulate Cali. I think they are trying to um, return California to be more of a natural. So set aside a lot of land to turn it back into a natural habitat. 
okay, which would require a lot of displacement for folks. I mean, a heck of a lot of displacement based on California's explosive population. And again, I have been feeling this way for years with the fires, um, with the massive amount of land that it has been bought up. Um, I know in China, um, I think, don't quote me, don't quote me, I'm not sure if Bill Gates bought up all, a lot of land in California, but we do know uh, that other big wigs have bought up a lot of land uh, in California as well. So it really, really appears that California is trying to be, someone is trying to reshape California. Now, that's just Cali with that particular issue. Other things are going on in California as well, which I don't find coincidental as well. Uh, their economy is in total, total shambles. Uh, the homelessness in California is just off the freaking charts. Uh, this is from the NPR. Uh, this came out June 8. How California's homelessness became a crisis. For a city as opulent as San Francisco, it has long been jarred to see the extreme poverty of those experiences experiencing homelessness on its streets. If you walk around downtown, tents, makeshift cardboards, beds, and human excrements can be seen littering the sidewalks. Impoverished people lie on the ground as a blur of highly paid professionals whiz by. Um, Now, I'll stop right quick because we do know that when um, Rona kicked into uh, full gear and folks were working from home, San Francisco was one of those cities where folks abandoned. They literally abandoned the city. Uh, They moved out in droves, which left a lot of not only real estate from a commercial real estate perspective, but also a lot of uh, vacant apartments as well. And in a lot of folks, um, the tech world, since they were able to work from home, a lot of people took that opportunity to move out of California to other areas that are affordable. And California is still experiencing that flight, people leaving, okay? And so as the people leave, uh, you know, the high-paid professional jobs as well as multi-millionaires, that means less tax revenue for California as well. That's already bankrupt, okay? So I did want to um, put that out there. So in 2018, a UN official visited San Francisco on a world tour examining housing conditions. She was shocked by what she saw. Her official report concluded that the city's treatment of unhoused people constitutes cruel and inhumane treatment as is a violation of multiple human rights, including rights to life, housing, health, water, and sanitation. The number of homeless San Franciscans has only grown since then to more than 8,000 people, most of whom sleep on the streets, not in shelters. San Francisco is pretty typical of major America cities these days, especially on the West Coast. Tent cities filled with poverty-stricken people have sprouted up in San San Diego to Seattle. As of January 2020, California alone had about 151,000 inhabitants experiencing homelessness. Now, I remember um, people in Atlanta talking about 
uh, California putting people on planes and sending them to Atlanta, putting their homeless people on planes and sending them to Atlanta. And Atlanta got hip to it because Atlanta has its own uh, housing, uh, housing, housing, I guess you can say housing, homeless problem as well. And I think that shelter closed, that one shelter downtown closed because it was sitting on prime property. It was heavily underfunded, yada, yada, yada. So Atlanta has a homeless problem as well. Not as large as California, but it definitely has its own homeless problem. Nonetheless, uh, Atlanta city officials or whatever started to connect what the issue was, and they started putting them back on planes, the homeless that were coming from California, and started putting them back on planes, sending them back. All right, so there are many contributors to the problem. The horrors of childhood trauma and poverty, mental illness, and chronic drug abuse surely add to the likelihood that someone lives on the street. But Nan Roman, president of the National Alliance to End Homelessness, says the primary cause of the crisis is simple. Housing has gotten way too scarce and expensive. That should be no shock to anyone. California's housing, it is so out of control. To be honest, I do not understand how people live there um, unless you have lived there all of your life or unless you've been there for probably 25 years and you were able to uh, buy a home at a decent, affordable price. Other than that, I don't see how people make it there. Housing is has been out of control in California for quite some time. It's sort of a game of musical chairs. A few years ago, a team of economists at Zillow found that once cities cross a threshold where the typical resident must spend more than a third of their income on housing, homelessness began to spike rapidly. When incomes don't keep pace with the cost of rent, a cascade effect ripples through the housing market. High-income folks start renting places that middle-income middle folks used to rent. Middle-income people start renting places that low-income folks used to rent. And low-income folks are left scrambling. It's sort of a game of musical chairs, Roman says. And people who have a strike against them because they have mental illness or substance abuse disorder or a disability are the least likely to get a chair. Homelessness wasn't always this bad. In the 1970s, there was an adequate supply of affordable units for every low-income household that needed one, and we really didn't have homelessness, Roman says. By the 1980s, homelessness emerged as a chronic issue. There were many factors, including the federal government deciding to slash the budget for affordable housing. By then, the California state government has significantly cut taxes and gutted social programs, including for state-funded mental institutions, resulting in thousands of people with mental illnesses and other difficulties struggling to make it on their own. Now, I'm also going to pause to say, because I'm not sure if this article is going to go over it, but because NPR does tend to lean more on the liberal side, okay? Because it's not about liberal or conservative. It's about looking at the issue from both sides, um, doing deductive reasoning and coming up with a conclusion. So we do know that California also has a huge immigration problem that they never dealt with. So meaning uh, folks from Mexico 
crossing over that border into California. And so the rule is if your child is born on the U.S. <clears throat> soil, then your child is a quote, quote, citizen. All right. So a lot of California social programs, if you really want to keep it real, real, let's be real about it. A lot of those social programs, um, I'm talking specifically um, like for food. I'm not so for sure with housing, but I do know for a fact for food or the SNAP program are going to the women and children of the immigrants coming across the border. Okay. And that also contributed to a um, explosion in California's population. All right. So you have to be fair when they talk about the slashing of the budget and they talk about the high cost of these social programs. You have to factor that in as well. All right. So yet the core reason for the crisis boils down to supply and demand for housing. As regions like San Francisco Bay Area became magnets for highly paid professionals in the computer driven economy, they failed to build enough new units to keep up with demand. Which I find that interesting because all I can think is, and where were they supposed to be building those said units? But okay. <laughs> A 2016 study by McKinsey Global Institute estimated that California needs 3.5 million new housing units by 2025 to deal with its chronic housing shortage. Now, this is going back to my humble opinion on the powers that be trying to depopulate California because it's already overcrowded. And if they're saying they need 3.5 million new housing units, where are those housing units going to go? And then what impact does 3.5 new housing units do to California's uh, ecosystem landscape? But again, that's just my humble opinion. All right. So, uh, yet new housing construction has only slowed since then, despite Governor uh, Gavin Newsom's campaign promise to lead an effort to produce those 3.5 million units. Even before the pandemic rocked havoc on the construction business, California was constructing only about a thousand, a hundred thousand, sorry, a hundred thousand new homes per year, way below the minimum of 180,000 per year that analysts say the state desperately needs. As Connor Dougherty documents in his illuminating new book, book Golden Gates, the uh, politics of building new housing in California is a mess. Homeowners fear new high rises will blight neighborhoods and damage their home values. As existing renters fear development will cause more gentrification and displace them. Zoning and various regulations make it hard to build new housing. And I also know in Cali, um, just from folks that I know that live there, if you want to do any type of renovation on your house, uh, let's say you want to expand out, uh, well, they don't do Florida rooms there. You want to put an addition on your home. They're um, not zoning, but their particular city thingamajigs you have to go through. It is a nightmare. Um, now, I can only speak for L.A., and in addition to that, it is expensive for you to go get the permit, to get it permitted and all of that and get it approved, and it takes them a long time to get to you. So I can see even their process of building new homes to be a nightmare. 
Many advocates say California needs some kind of new rent control program, but the city of San Francisco passed a rent control law back in 1994, which helped keep existing renters from getting displaced, but only exuberated the deeper problem of rental scarcity. The 1994 law, which expanded rent control to small, multifamily dwellings, convinced a large number of San Francisco landlords to take their rentals off the market by doing things such as selling their units or condos ooh, or bulldozing them and building new ones because the law didn't apply to new construction. Wow. Research finds that of those properties that fell under the new rent control laws, there was a 15% decline in overall rental supply and 25% decline of rent control supply in the years that follow. The result of all of this is obscenely high rent and property prices combined with stagnating wages for huge swaths of low-income jobs and a lack of political will for spending substantial more on subsidized housing. It's easy to see why a large population of people has been doubling up, living with their parents, moving to cities increasingly expensive outskirts and being pushed out on the streets. And I also want to say California was the first place that I heard of people renting out their garage space. Yeah. Um, Now, some of them since then that I've seen like on YouTube videos, people have really decked out their garages and it's, it's cute. You know, it is very much so livable in a little tiny space. But originally, that was not the case. I was so happy over the weekend. I was uh, doing Netflix and watching the UPN series Girlfriends from back in the 90s. So I started with the first season because um, I watched it sporadically. Although I don't know why I was watching it sporadically. But anyhow, and on one of the episodes, uh, one of the characters literally was renting out, um, not renting out, was a renter in a garage. And I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, wow, did it start all the way back in the 90s? All right. What's different than, say, New York? Booming cities and other states have arguably done a better job than San Francisco and Los Angeles by at least providing a bandage for the gushing wound. New York City, for example, has a right to shelter and a sprawling shelter system that helps people sleep indoors every night. New York City has a rate of homelessness similar to San Francisco and L.A., but it has a different character. As of January 2020, 72% of homeless Californians were unsheltered. Woo, that's a lot. Compare that to New York State, where only 5% are unsheltered. The result is a city where homelessness, while still troubled, is also less in your face. Warmer weather on the West Coast, which may alter thinking about the cruelty of allowing people to sleep outdoors, could play a role in the difference. But New York has a right to shelter because of a 1979 court decision that interpreted the state's constitution to give New Yorkers this right. Oh, now that's interesting. Instead of building a big system of shelters, California's cities have taken a more lackadaisical approach that the UC San Diego sociologist Neil Gong calls tolerant containment, basically shooing the unhoused to certain neighborhoods of squalor such as San Francisco's Tenderloin or LA's Skid Row and then selectively prosecuting them for living on the street. Gone calls this approach a Frankenstein monster created by mating civil libertarianism with austerity. Ciao. So I do just want to say 
and I've talked about this before, um, right now, as a matter of fact, this month, um, on Venice Beach, you know, L.A.'s Venice Beach, because that homeless problem had got way out of control uh, with the pandemic, and Venice Beach had just got disgusting. So uh, the city is now literally cleaning up uh, the tents on Venice Beach. And what they're doing, they are offering the homeless housing. And the housing, um, there is an abandoned hotel that sits on Venice Beach. I cannot think of the name of it. But if you want to really know the in-depth of the whole Venice Beach situation, there's this uh, YouTube channel. He does an excellent job uh, called German in Venice. He does an excellent job on giving the layout of what's going on in Venice Beach. So now they're starting to move um, the homeless off of Venice Beach. They don't have a choice. Okay, because they're they're giving them the opportunity to um, go into a shelter and they're also giving them an opportunity to pick out their stuff that they want to keep. And uh, the rest of the stuff, they're throwing it in the garbage. They literally have all types of workers out there. They got the the garbage truck folk out there. cleaning it up, uh, disposing of the trash and disinfecting. And y'all, you, you should see as cause German in Venice, check out his YouTube channel. He's literally filming this as all of this is going on. He's been doing this for years. Uh, so shout out to him. He does an excellent job. So he's filming it as the uh, city workers are cleaning up these, uh, homeless tents or whatever. And chow, the amount of trash, y'all, you all should see once they, oh, I'm getting the heebie-jeebies talking about it, but once they lift that trash up, honey, the amount of mice that run from up under there, it is definitely a um, safety and a health hazard. It, it It's a hot mess. Now, you all know that on Venice Beach, those properties that, um, that align the beach, those are multi-million dollar properties, okay? Not to mention the businesses along the boardwalk, Venice boardwalk as well. So can you imagine you're paying multi-million dollar worth of taxes and you got to look out your window, which you should see the boardwalk, then see the sand, then see the ocean, but you got to see tents, and a bunch of trash and junk. And you can't even walk the boardwalk in peace. Because it stinks. And so if mice are all within them tents. I am assuming that they're making it to the, uh, the comfort of folks home. So they had to accommodate for that. So just a total, total nightmare. In California. So. Along came the pandemic. Trist, uh, Tristia Ballman, a senior attorney at the National Homeless Law Center, says California cities have historically been just as vigorous as other cities in forcibly remove encampments and penalizing people for homelessness. In 2018, however, the Ninth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals held that the Eighth Amendment cruel and unusual punishment Clause prohibited cities from penalizing people for sleeping outside when they lacked access to indoor shelter or long-term housing. Following that ruling and in line with the CDC guidelines advising increased permissive during the pandemic, some says West Coast cities lacking adequate shelters have increasingly allowed homeless encampments. Yes, they have, again. And the German in Venice video isn't the only one, but you can just go to YouTube in general. There's a lot of other uh, 
content creators that are documenting this process. Uh, you also have people that are living in um, their cars. They're living in um, RVs, um, but they're illegally parking in uh, neighborhoods. So the neighbors, of course, started uh, getting the officials involved. And so people have been like moving from place to place. And um, I saw one video where people were setting up their RVs and cars. It looked like outside of an abandoned industrial uh, space, right? So it's not about um, maybe if they have increasingly allowed homeless encampments, they have. Even Echo Park just got cleaned up last month because Echo Park was taken over by homeless uh, in L.A. And what they did, they, you know, gave everybody a deadline. They offered them to go into shelters. Those that didn't want to do it, uh, their stuff got bulldozed, thrown away. They cleaned up the park disinfected this that and the third and honey they put an entire gate around the park and now there are park rules that are strictly enforced that you have to be out of the park at a certain time all right so last year Californians of all political stripes rank homelessness as the biggest single issue they wanted the state to tackle with a political groundswell, legal interventions, and the Biden administration providing billions of federal dollars for the cause, California politicians are finally trying to do something big to help people who are unhoused and housing insecure. All right, so again, this issue with California with homelessness has been going on for a very long time. Anybody that has visited California... I started visiting it in the 90s. I always saw homeless people. And as I visited throughout the years, it got worse and worse and worse. And the homeless got more aggressive. Um, You know, and you, depending on, you know, how immune you are to seeing homelessness, um, of course, the, the folks that I was visiting always advised me, you know, don't be trying to be friendly because they'll hound you. Some of them are aggressive. And I was literally out uh, with the friend of mine. She moved from Atlanta to California because she got married uh, because her husband is in tech and worked for one of the big tech companies. We met for lunch. And so we were both, I so happened to be in California. Uh, So we were leaving out and there's a homeless dude begging. And so we were at a restaurant. I had leftovers. So I'm like, you know, you're welcome to my leftovers. He had the audacity to ask me, honey, what, what is it? And I looked at him like, it's food. Oh, well, and I told him what it was. I forgot what it was. Oh, my stomach. Child, me and my friend, you know, my friend by that time, she had been in Cali, want to say a year. And she had family there also. So she was used to visiting throughout the years. We looked at each other. And I'm like, well, I can't help you. And kept on stepping. He had the audacity to tell me, now you living on the streets, man. You living on the streets. And here I'm just stepping out of a restaurant with my leftovers. And you going to tell me what your stomach is suitable for? So trying to hustle me to get money for either booze or drugs, okay? And I'm not saying that all homeless people are like that. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just giving you a picture of what, is going on in California, okay? And California is not the only place. It's, it just has the biggest homeless problem because you'll get that 
in Atlanta, I noticed that Atlanta was getting um, more and more homeless people as well trying to run game. Okay, but it's really bad in California. All right, so um, Governor Newsom recently announced a $12 billion plan promising to provide 65,000 people with housing placement, more than 300,000 people with housing stability, and create 46,000 new housing units. The new initiative builds on programs implemented during the pandemic that converted hotels, okay, and other buildings into housing for the unhoused. <coughs> San Francisco Mayor London Breed, following up on a city ballot initiative that authorized taxing big companies and using the funds to help the homeless, wants the city to spend more than a billion dollars on the problem over the next two years. And to be honest, taxing big companies, that's not a bad idea, not not at all, uh, based on the amount of revenue that um, the big companies bring in, okay? Um, and then I also want to add with t California, now I don't know if they still have it, but uh, back up in the day, California... The way they were structuring their taxes that you pay on a home made folks able to pay lower taxes. And they had to do that because of the value of the homes were just so off the chain. So they were paying a fraction of the cost of what the mo what most of the other countries everybody else in the country were paying for property taxes, which hence also caused a lot of California's deficit issues. So we're talking not only um, you have a huge immigration issue, um, you have too many people there, your tax revenue base is shaky, uh, you know, plus they just the endless spending, 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 which to be honest, I don't know what they were spending it on. Maybe it was on social programs with the inflex of uh, inflex of people coming in. But all of that was a recipe for disaster for bankrupting the state. All right. So these programs will hopefully go a long way to addressing the problem. But as long as California fails to address the root cause, now, here's the root cause, a chronic shortage of affordable housing and an ongoing failure to significantly ramp up new construction, the state seems doomed to grapple with obscene level of homelessness. All right. So again, I say that I feel it is purposely California is purposely being targeted to depopulate. That is why they are not doing a lot of um, new housing building because, again, where are they going to put those houses, number one? They're already overpopulated. And um, number two, what impact would more housing cause on California's ecosystem? So something is going on in California huge. Uh, so again, this article is from NPR. It came out June 8, 2021. How California's homelessness becomes a crisis. So two more things I want to cover on California, and then we're going to wrap this up. Some of you probably saw this in the news. Honey, San Fran. Yep, we're back on San Fran has this um, thing going on since the pandemic started where folks are going into local stores and they're stealing in broad daylight and walking out and nothing's being done to them. There's uh, countless videos of people um, taking videos of people walking in, cleaning the shelves, you know, open up their bag, start putting stuff in the shelves and walk out. 
And the people that work in the stores were told by uh, their management teams to not approach the folks. Uh, the, the police wasn't even coming out doing anything about it. Uh, it got so bad that um, Walgreens decided that it's going to start shutting down uh, locations in San Fran. So the latest one happened uh, last week. It says, uh, this is from CBS uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Channel 5. Update, smash and grab heist at San Francisco Neiman Marcus, another retail theft red flag. San Francisco KPIX 5, the latest smash and grab heist targeting a high-end retail store in San Francisco's Union Square has locals calling for action from authorities. Neiman Marcus is one of the pillars of luxury shopping in San Francisco's Union Square. Cell phone videos of the robbery at the store early Monday evening showed the brazen pack of criminals fleeing the show with arms full of expensive merchandise. Ten suspects are seen in the clip, but all were masked and unidentifiable. Carrying several expensive handbags each, the thieves jumped into multiple getaway cars and sped off. And child, let me tell you, because I saw the news clip. Honey, why they um jumped uh, jumped into luxury vehicles? I, I just shook my head. I said, only in California. Only in California. Anyway, but photos and videos provided by Instagram user uh, SF Street 415 show the damage that left behind with handbags strewn on the ground, shelves emptied, and glass display cases shattered. The crime would be more shocking if the same exact thing hadn't happened at the Neiman Marcus in Palo Alto in May. Smash and grab heists at high-end stores have become increasingly common. The only way to stop them is by holding these people accountable and keeping them from further committing these crimes, says San Francisco Police Department's spokesperson, Rebecca uh, Ruka. But not holding people accountable may be why it's happening. Some point a finger at blaming uh, the San Francisco District Attorney, uh, Chessa Abadin, who had been open about his reluctant child, his reluctance to prosecuting people for retail theft. Hunty, only in California, honey. Only in California. The shoplifting problem has gotten so bad that Walgreens has announced it is closing 13 stores in the city. Target stores in San Francisco have been begun closing early at 6 p.m. due to increased shoplifting at certain locations. Investigators believe the Neiman Marcus robbery was part of an organized crime operation that can sell the stolen items both domestically and internationally. On Tuesday, Supervisor Asha Safri said that the board has sent Badun a letter of inquiry asking what coordinated strategy he may have to stop the thefts. Child. So it was okay, and it really wasn't okay when they were stealing up out of the um the Targets and the drugstores, the Walgreens. Oh, that was okay. But now they, they didn't got brazen honey and they hit Neiman up. I, I can't believe that old boy was like um, the district attorney, the DA was like, he's reluctant to pr uh, prosecute retail theft crimes. Child. <sighs> this is not crimes of opportunity, said Safai. We're not asking him to charge someone that's down and out. We're asking him to target people that are recruited by these organized crime outlets. So we're going to see what happens in the next week and what his response is. Now, honey, I'm blown away that you up to talking about some 
They don't want to charge people that's down and out. Really? Uh, isn't theft theft? Wow. Only in California. <laughs> A statement from the DA's office said they want to focus on the criminal networks that fence the stolen goods. Meanwhile, the response from the public is one of disgust. Robert, uh, resident Robert Lacombe has lived in San Francisco for 71 years, he told KPIX. He has never seen it as lawless as it is now. It's hurting the city, he says. I mean, your tourism, who want to come to a filthy city? Police say they're investigating the mass shoplifting, but it's unclear what punishment the suspects would even face if caught. The uncertainty may be encouraging the crime. Child. Now us from different states. What you mean? They unclear. Police say they're investigating the mass shoplifting. But it's unclear what punishment the suspects would even face if caught. Child. Somebody's not doing their job, said Lacombe. What is the job? Enforce the law. Then enforce it, whatever it takes. Honey, chow. So this is from um, Channel 5 out of uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Update, smash and grab heist at San Fran's Neiman Marcus. Another retail theft red flag. So, I mean... To me, now this is going back just to my humble opinion. There has to be a bigger force behind this type of activity to allow folks to not be prosecuted for crimes of theft. And maybe the reasoning is to the point to make the city so undesirable that people do start moving out of San Fran. Hence, depopulate California. Make people, force people to move out of California because they have other plans for Cali. I definitely think they're going to um, start really um, honing in on large amount of land, putting it as protective areas, uh, protective areas from a wildlife perspective, okay? So uh, only having those areas, part of it for agricultural, and then the other part is strictly for wildlife. So the last thing I want to talk about in Cali and any Californian should be familiar with this as well, um, California's water problem, which, by the way, they've always had. California has always gone through cycles of drought. Although, it's really no reason for any areas to be going through cycles of drought when we know there is technology and you can go Look for the patents on the technology. You can go look for the articles on technology where rain is able to be created with cloud machines, cloud seeding. So it's really no reason for droughts to occur. All right. Cali's always had water issues. Okay. Because of the way the state was carved up, they have water issues. So this uh, article is from Cal Matters. As drought hits California, long-term issues loom. This came out in April. California faces another of its periodic droughts and also long-term questions about the supply and use of water. Now, note, a large portion of uh, fruits and vegetables produce come from Cali. So it is scary and it's dangerous 
for California to go through these cycles of drought because, of course, that affects the agricultural, that impacts across the country's food supply, which would also either one cause scarcity, and then when you have scarcity, you have what? Higher prices, okay? So this is why it is important to start becoming in tune where your food comes from. I always say this, it is dangerous to depend on a system to feed you and your family. So you better start, if you are wise, if you are wise, you better start looking for alternatives, local sourcing, hooking up with um, local farmers market, local farmers, and of course you can also grow some of your food or most of your food as well. Okay, I've been telling this, I've been saying this for years. They have proven to you with the pandemic how vulnerable the food supply chain is across the country. Okay? That should have been a huge wake-up call for everyone. All right, so let's get into this article about the water. Um, This is going to be our last drop. By the time this column is published, Northern California may be receiving some much-needed rain and possibly some snow. It didn't, y'all. They still burning up. Matter of fact, they burning up big time. It's extremely hot there. However, late season participation, precipitation does not change the reality that California is in one of its periodic droughts after, uh, after two dry years. Major Northern California reservoirs are only about half full due to scanty runoff from the mountain snowpacks. Farmers are getting tiny percentages of their normal water allotments, and local water agencies are beginning to impose restrictions on household use. Right? So anybody in California, especially I know in L.A., they have water ordinances, um, and you got fined heavily, so you bet not be out there trying to water your dog on grass and um, wash your cars or whatever. They literally had people coming up and down patrolling the streets, all right, when they go through these particular droughts. We've seen many droughts, but this one seems somewhat different, perhaps because it's occurring just as Californians are trying to recover personally and economically from the deadly pandemic. In fact, some aspects will be different, particularly for farmers who generally consume three-quarters of water distributed for humans in California. During previous droughts, farmers survived by purchasing extra water by drilling wells to tap underground um, aquifers and by pursuing officials to divert water that otherwise would maintain wildlife habitat. Okay, so this again, this goes back to just my humble, lowly opinion on what is really going on in California, trying to depopulate it. Now, imagine if they add the 3.5 million and some change housing that they say they want to add Okay, so that's more people that will need more resources by an already stressed ecosystem. What would that do to the ecosystem? All right. During the previous multi-year drought, San Joaquin Valley aquifers were so heavily overdraft drafted that in many areas the land I remember this shall the land above them collapsed. Child, I remember that. A section of Frank Kern Canal was rendered inoperable. In 2014, the legislature 
And then Governor Jerry Brown enacted an historical groundwater regulation law aimed at preventing a reoccurrence. Child. The law's precise groundwater restrictions are still being formulated, but it's evident that farmers will not be able this time around to pump as much water as they want to offset curtail supplies from wet reservoirs. Many will be compelled rather, to leave some fields unplanted, beginning what agricultural economists believe will be widespread farmland following as following as groundwater rules take effect. Okay? Boom. That goes to what I was saying of the impact of the agricultural, um, California's agricultural, agriculture would have on an economy and food supply. California farmers had an ally in former President Donald Trump who pushed uh, federal officials to maximize agricultural diversion from the Sacramento San Joaquin Delta and reduce flows for fish and other wildlife. However, with Biden in the White House, such diversions will be a harder sale. Again, this is directly impacting now they're at the point in Cali where they have to make decisions between the ecosystem because if you're reducing the flows for fish and other wildlife that's messing with California's ecosystem versus sustaining an already overpopulated California to uh, feed the population And by the way, California, again, a lot of the produce in California is distributed across the U.S. Farmers also want Governor Gavin Newsom to declare a drought emergency so they can press him for more Delta water. But while Newsom declared an emergency in Mendocino and Sonoma counties last week, he clearly he's clearly reluctant to do so for the whole state. If he did, it could put him in a no-win situation as he faces a recall election later this year, damned by environmentalists if he helps farmers by hurting the delta and damned by farmers if he doesn't. Now, uh just real quick, if you just do a little bit of research on how California was formed, from a uh, landscaping perspective, you'll see where farmers were allowed to have, have were allowed to divert water for quite some time. Uh, there's a lot of lakes, and I'm talking y'all way back in the um, late 1800s to the um, early 1900s as California was being settled. Um, they did so much of diverting of water, and I call all of that terraforming, that a lot of lakes dried up in California. Now, if you go back and look at uh, older maps of California, now some people say this isn't true. Some say that it is. Uh, We're talking, uh, I don't know, y'all, maybe six, seven hundred years ago that California used to be its own separate island. It set off of the coast of the United States and um, it was terraformed meaning that rocks or semen or whatever were filled in to attach California to the mainland, okay? Now, again, some people dispute that. Uh, Some say it most certainly did happen because we can find several of those ancient maps that show California as its own island and hence why California's climate is like totally separate. It like totally has 
its own ecosystem. It's much more, it's drastically different from the rest of the mainland. Okay, so was when California was terraformed the start of its decline? I'll keep going. Okay. And I'll just add, <laughs> sorry, I know I'm making this long. I'll just add, you can also still see in California those ancient giant trees, the sequoias. All right. So just with those giant trees alone proves that California, at a minimum, California's ecosystem was totally different than it is today. All right, so I'll keep going. However, this drought plays out. California faces long-term water supply issues, including the projected impacts of climate change, such as diminishing winter snowpacks. Newsom's administration has published a water-resilient portfolio aimed at Managing those issues and hinge on an assumption that the state's many water interests will act cooperatively to meet the common threat. However, California's water supply has always been a contentious than cooperation, cooperative, pitting north against the south, urban areas against rural communities, and farmers against environmentalists. Lurking in the background of this drought, as well as the uncertain supply future, is what would be the most diverse of all water issue, water rights, some of which date back more than a century. The comprehensive water management envisioned in Newsom's resilience portfolio probably cannot succeed unless the state modifies, sees, or purchase those long-ingrained water use rights. During the previous drought, the State Water Resources Control Board filtered with a direct challenge to historical water rights, but then backed away. In effect, the groundwater regulation law superseded previous legal rights to pump from aquifers and thus could be a precursor to the titanic battle over surface water as supply tightens. Okay, so uh, that's from calmatters.org. As drought hits California's long-term issues loom. All right, family, so there you have it. There is something big going on in California. I truly believe California is being prepped to be totally reshaped. I think it is going to be set aside as uh, wildlife preservatives. I think that the cities in California will look drastically different with a much scaled down population. Okay, so we will continue to watch what's going on in California. And if there's any um, Californians, uh, feel free to drop down in the comments and give your take on any of these issues on the homelessness of the water rights, um, immigration, who chow, honey, crime and uh, the retail thefts, etc., etc. So I want to thank you uh, family so much. This is Rhonda with the WTUZ Radio Podcast. You have a great day. Peace and love.